Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge and episode 67. I am your host Don, here as ever, joined by Toddy and Lewis. Hello. We have a busy show for you today. It has been a bit of a busy week. In case you can't tell from watching and the bushy stubble covering my face because I put covering pressing tech news ahead of personal hygiene, apparently, and haven't shaved in at least three days. Uh, <laughs> we need to talk, first of all, about the OnePlus Nord family, because just today, even after we decided we were going to talk Nord, Pete Lau very kindly decided to confirm that the OnePlus Nord CE 5G is the next Nord phone we are getting. It's going to be joined by the Nord N200 as well. And we want to talk about those two phones, what we know about them so far, and whether we're still getting a Nord 2, or whether this is it, because we're still a little confused by how it all works. Uh, then we're going to turn to all things Oppo. The company just unveiled the Reno 6 line in China, so we're going to run through what they offer, and whether there's any real hope of it getting them elsewhere in the world outside of the Chinese market. And then finally, we are going to turn to the ZTE Axon 30 Ultra, I hope I've got all of those bits in the right order, which Lewis <laughs> has been busy testing for the last week or so, and it's an impressive enough turn, impressive enough phone to even turn that iPhone fan towards Android. He has fallen in love with it, to everyone's surprise. Before that, we will run through a few other little bits and pieces of news. First up, two events to have on your radar as we go into the next couple of weeks. Uh, Huawei has confirmed that next Wednesday, the 2nd of June, it is going to hold its long-awaited Harmony OS launch event. It's confirmed we're going to see the new software, we're going to see some hardware running on it. We don't know what, there was a teaser image that showed what looked an awful lot like a smartwatch, so I think a watch is pretty set. And they've teased a couple more images that really suggest we're getting a watch. Uh, everyone's expecting some sort of MatePad tablets. I Maybe the P50, I would get my hopes way down on the P50. Huawei tends to like to hold special events for its phones and talk about them on its own. So the fact that we're seeing other devices means I don't think this is the P50 launch. But we're going to see its new post-Android operating system and the first hardware using it. Next big event, probably bigger in fairness, sorry Huawei, is Apple's uh, WWDC, which is now confirmed to kick off on the 7th of June. Again, this is mainly a software thing. Don't expect hardware at all at this, really, though you never know with Apple. Uh, but the main thing we're going to see is the next versions of iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, TVOS, I, I don't know, are there any other OSs? I feel like that's the lot. Uh, but anyway, this is this is Apple's big like software smorgasbord, and we will find out what uh, all of the next versions of those are going to look like, pretty much. In terms of actual hardware, we've also had a busy week. Uh, today, Samsung finally made the Tab S7 FE official. Uh, this is what we thought would be the S7 Lite for a while. It's been in the works forever. It's been rumored forever. It's leaked. It popped up on a German store a few days ago, then got taken down again. Finally today, it is actually officially official. This is basically a kind of slightly more budget version of the Tab S7 Plus. Uh, you're getting a 12.4 inch 60 hertz LCD display, Snapdragon 750G, and it uses the S Pen, and that will cost around £600, €650. Euros. I haven't actually seen dollar pricing yet, so I'm not sure about dollar pricing. Um, but that is going to be available to buy soon if you want a slightly kind of budget mid-range Samsung tablet. There's also a new, I think it's A7 Lite, which is a properly budget kind of £200, €200, Euro, much smaller tablet as well, if you're interested in that. What else we got? Nubia. The Red Magic 6R, which we almost decided to give its own segment today, but there's just too much to talk about. Uh, this was a little bit of a surprise. We knew it was coming a couple of days ago, but this is a new sort of variant on the Red Magic 6 lineup. Um, it's actually really different. It's been launched in China. It is getting a global launch. It's worth taking a look if you're not a fan of gaming phones, because while Red Magic is Nubia's gaming line, this is actually pretty slim. It doesn't have a kind of gamer aesthetic. Um, it looks more like a normal phone that's fairly slimline, fairly portable, but you're getting a Snapdragon 888 and you're getting solid cooling 
and you're kind of compromising on the camera a bit, but it's going to hit a fairly friendly price point, we think. So if you like the idea of a gaming phone from a performance perspective, but don't want it to look like a gaming phone, I would keep my eye on the Red Magic 6R for when it actually gets its global launch. More global launches. Realme uh, <laughs> finally brought the Realme GT to Europe, or is bringing the GT to Europe, along with the announcement that the Nazo line is launching in Europe uh, with... Is it the Nazo 35G, Toddy? Yes. Yeah, in yeah. some markets, the 30A is already hit in Europe, but they haven't really right. mentioned that. And then we have the 30, some other version of the 30 Pro 5G, I think, is already in India. Right, okay. So starting to see Nazo phones roll out. Uh, if you've been following closely, you may know we've actually kind of already had some Nazo phones because Realme has rebranded a couple of them. Yeah. As uh, I think the Realme 6i was technically one of the Nazo models, just under yeah, a different the name. The first ones, yeah. The Nazo 10, yeah. I believe. Uh, but we're finally seeing this line kind of roll out properly in Europe uh, with the one slightly odd caveat that for now at least these are AliExpress exclusives. Yeah. So you're not going to see them on Amazon or your regular phone storefront, certainly not with a network. Um, you have to go to AliExpress to buy them, but you are officially buying them from Realme through AliExpress for Europe. It's all a little bit odd. Uh, and the final little thing I want to talk about before we get into OnePlus is ARM, or ARM, depending on how you feel. They have announced their latest generation of CPU and GPU cores. Uh, these are exciting only because they are the building blocks that Apple and Qualcomm and Samsung will use to build up their own chipsets and silicon platforms in the future. So we uh, have the ARM V9 CPU series, which is led by the Cortex-X2. Uh, the Cortex-X1 is the main chip that you'll find in the Apple M1. It's the main chip that you'll find in the Snapdragon 888. So the Cortex-X2 is probably what we're going to see kind of driving the M2 and driving whatever the next Snapdragon flagship is. And we've also got the new Mali GPUs. Uh, they won't appear in the Snapdragons because Qualcomm likes to its own Adreno GPUs. But you'll see Mali GPUs and a lot of other stuff. Um, these chips will be in phones, they'll be in computers, they'll be in wearables, they'll be in all sorts of stuff. And this doesn't give us too big a guess at performance, but it's the kind of standard stuff we expect from mobile chipset advancements, which is kind of 20 or 30% improvements in performance, similar improvements in efficiency, and then kind of doubling and tripling their machine learning prowess, because that is still the bit where everyone's making those leaps and bounds. Right, deep breath, done with all of that. Uh, let's go on to OnePlus. Uh, so yeah, we are expecting the OnePlus Nord CE 5G, horrible name, to launch on June 10th. We've now been told, Pete Lau confirmed this today. Uh, we have some very small little tidbits about this phone. We know the name, we know June 10th. It's got 5G in the name, so I'd be worried if it wasn't a 5G device. Uh, and we know kind of the price in that we've basically been told it is going to be cheaper than the original Nord. Uh, and by extension cheaper than the OnePlus 9 series and the 8T from last year and everything like that. So this is solidly in that lower mid-range budget space we can expect. Um, the the CE stands apparently for Core Edition. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm confused as to how this kind of fits between the likes of the Nord 1 and the OnePlus. Is it like a OnePlus 9R but for the Nord series? Is that how we're supposed to read this? Because until now we haven't had... We've had N, but we haven't had like just letters and no numbers. So I, I I don't understand why now is the time that we've switched to all letters. It just seems a really confusing, already confusing uh, lineup that we're also getting a new N series device in just for the US and Canada. Like it just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to make sense of with the naming conventions. I know it's, it's kind messy. of a running joke that we rag on naming conventions, but they are always so bad. And, and OnePlus used to be nice and clean. It would be, you know, you'd get the OnePlus 7, maybe a OnePlus 7 Pro. Six months later, a OnePlus 7T, maybe a 7T Pro. And now, you know, we got the 9, we got the 9 Pro, we got the 9R as a new thing, but it was India only. And then we've got the Nord, but then the Nord also had the Nord N10 and the Nord N100. Now we're getting a Nord CE, and we're also getting a Nord 200, which we don't know much about, but I guess it's a follow-up to the 100. Maybe Which it's was just really, really hard to name phones and because we've never had to do it properly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's secretly impossible 
to do well. I guess the challenge is you want a system, but you can decide the best system in the world, but then the market determines what phone you should actually release next. And if it doesn't fit into your nice, pretty system, then you have to reinvent the system. <laughs> well, um, I get and that. Then you keep I guess doing I'm, that every year. <laughs> I'm surprised by how quickly it always seems to go wrong, like immediately. <laughs> Well, that's it. The Nord line, so this quickly. is only 11 months on from the original Nord. The first Nord was uh, last July, I think, uh, which is, again, why it's sort of funny to make sense of what this phone is. Um, Pete Lau says, we have distilled the original Nord down to its core elements mm. and added a few extra features to create a great everyday phone at an even more affordable price. Between that and calling it the Nord Core Edition, CE, it does sound like you said, Toddy, like it's a kind of uh, slightly tweaked version of the Nord, a, a Nord R or, or yeah. Nord T, you know, the six month on follow up, except it's 11 months on. This is kind of when we expect them to reveal a full Nord 2, the replacement to the Nord. And this doesn't sound like it's that. But maybe it based, is. I'm not sure. Based on this talk of affordability, do you think what he's actually saying is it's going to run on a 765 and we're just going to add in some software features or do you have any expectations or hopes for what hardware this might bring to the table if it is going to be a cheaper equivalent to the Nord from last year? I mean, it's hard to say because, again, we don't know what they're doing with it. it normally, a, a year on, I think the 765G is a little long in the tooth. You would hope it yeah. to be on the 778G, maybe. Um, or this could be them... They could do what Poco did with the X3 Pro and throw in like an 860, um, yeah, which is that kind cool. of revamped two-year-old flagship silicon, um, which would, you know, emphasize that kind of performance side of it. Though actually then with that one, it's harder to do 5G, so that wouldn't make sense. It would have to be an 870 to get the 5G yeah. support. And at that point, I don't know if they're going to do that at the same price point. And they said it's cheaper, so... I would expect Tough. a 778G because I don't think they're going to put a 765G out a year later. And even with a price drop, I still feel like it will look a bit... People will think that is an, that's old tech, this is an old phone, and that's obviously not not the impression OnePlus wants to give, give off here. No, true. Um, it's hard to know what else you would expect to change, though, because uh, it, it already had a, an AMOLED display. It was, I think, 90 hertz, the original Nord, so they could yep. jump to 120, maybe. You obviously wouldn't really expect serious waterproofing or wireless charging to go in at this kind of price space, especially if they're going cheaper. Um, was it 33 so, watt charging on the first Nord? Ooh, that's a question. If I it was 65, it should have been. It wasn't the 65, yeah. So it could that make the jump cool. to 65. Yeah. And that would kind of fit with what he's saying about distilling the Nord to its core elements and kind of adding a few features, which is just kind of basically saying, let's take these core good specs we put into that first Nord, which were kind of the display and, and the charging and a good processor for the price, update those and, and call it a day. And maybe that's what they're doing. Um, the wrinkle in all of this, because we were talking about the idea that there might be a Nord 2 and is there, is there is still some speculation that there's a Nord 2 in the works. We've seen separate sets of leaks for this phone, the CE. The CE name had floated around with some leaks and a code name Eber. We'd seen a separate set of leaks for what seemed to be a, a mildly higher spec Nord that everyone expected to be the Nord 2. And we got a little bit more confirmation that that one maybe is still in the works, because I think we might have written that one off to, with today's news for if it second. wasn't for the fact that yesterday... <laughs> Uh, there was a leak. I think it was yesterday, certainly this week, um, because OnePlus announced a um, promotion where they're giving away Stadia Premier Edition and the Stadia controller with OnePlus phones going forwards. And um, in one of the countries where they were running the promotion or one of the sites where the, the promotion was being listed, the small print listed the participating phones. And among a set of real OnePlus handsets we know exist, it mentioned the OnePlus Nord 2. So Whoops. someone out there thinks the Nord 2 is coming. <laughs> um, someone at OnePlus, and then they were quickly yeah. slapped on the back of the head and it was quickly amended on the website. Exactly. This has obviously been removed <laughs> since. And, and who knows, maybe that's some internal confusion and that was the CE that they're referring to. True. But this does leave us in this space where we're still kind of thinking, well, maybe, that, like you said, the CE is a bit cheaper than the Nord, but maybe there will be a same price Nord 2 coming down the line um, and it just then throws everything into disarray because the leaks have been so close that it's been very hard to unpick which leaks are for which phones basically 
Yeah, so the CE we're expecting in early June, June 10th, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Nord 2, based on that leak, if it's if it holds water, the offer, the Stadia offer, people are using that as the kind of guideline for when it will hit. And that's uh, up until September 30th um, right. is yeah. when that deal runs until in the UK, Germany and France, I think is where it's running. And the so, original yeah. Nord, I think, was a July announcement and an August on yeah, sale that date. Right. Yeah. So that would kind of line up if they're going to hold off, you know, do exactly. the cheaper Nord in June, announce a Nord 2 in, in July or early August, launch it late August, early September. It falls within that promotional window. Um, and then we would get that proper Nord follow-up. Of course, the thing is then you're running pretty close to when we're expecting the uh, the 9T launch to be, potentially, which would also be kind of August, September time. So it does all start to run together a bit. Um, but we do have a few leaks on what we think the Nord 2 might be. It, uh, there's been speculation that that will have the 65 watt uh, charging that we now find in the flagships, which maybe the Nord CE wouldn't get. Uh, the strangest leap is that uh, it may use a MediaTek chipset, yeah, the Dimensity 1200. Yeah, which is the first time a OnePlus has not used a I was just trying to remember what the, uh, what the N10 used. Um, I don't have a device to check to hand, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. the Intel might have used the Diamond the 800. That was uh, um, the okay. kind of step down from the uh, 800U inside the Realme 7 5G. Yeah. Um, but I can clarify that whilst we're chatting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that lead came from Digital Chat Station, who's one of the more reliable tipsters yeah. out there. Um and uh, yeah, he did tip that they were going to use the Dimensity 1200. It would be very unlikely to see that on, on the 9T or anything in that series. So it kind of feels like it has to be one of the Nord devices and, and a Nord 2 makes the most sense. Um, it's all a bit of an odd space. And then there's this N200, which I don't think I've personally seen any convincing okay. speculation on what that's going to be. Um, I can only guess that because the N100 was essentially a rebadged Oppo phone. Um, it seems very likely that that will be the same deal with the N200, and that that may be why we haven't heard any leaks because there hasn't really been as much internal R&D around it, and there's fewer sources for it to leak. Because now that they are close and close with Oppo, maybe the N200 is just going to be some Oppo phone we already know about, one of the Oppo A series uh, with a OnePlus logo slapped on the back, and they'll throw that out together with the Nord. The N10 and N100 were both Snapdragon powered phones, so this would be the right, first yeah. MediaTek. tech. So, yeah, which would be interesting, and you know that mm. it's uh, telling. We have seen MediaTek in the ascendancy. Uh, I know we mentioned in the news like uh, a few weeks ago. I think it was that for the first time they'd overtaken Qualcomm in uh, chip shipments. So MediaTek are now on on at least some metrics the bigger player in the industry. And that's especially true in the Asian market and especially true for budget and mid-range devices. So it makes a lot of sense for a Nord, really, which is a budget mid-range device that will probably have its biggest success in the Asian marketplace. Uh, You can see where they might be looking at MediaTek uh, for that kind of line. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of the Nord phones jump ship to cheaper Dimensity SoCs. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so June 10th, new OnePlus launch little bit unexpected um, in terms of what we're getting. Um, but we also don't have any particular expectation of whatever else might come alongside it. We're not expecting a follow-up watch or band. Um, no particular leaks that there's more TV models coming or anything like that. So I think this may just be phones from them. We haven't heard if, anything else. If it's just a mid-ranger that they announced on June 10th, this might be... I could see there'd be room then in the event for more talk about Oxygen OS. I mean, the company usually talks about Oxygen OS as a complement to whatever new phone it's launching. And these are the new features for this device specifically. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as they're building out onto a platform that has to run across a much greater breadth of hardware now than it ever has before, I wouldn't be surprised if they spent more time on in at this June date, um, yeah, talking about Oxygen OS and how that, Kind of has been tweaked and tailored to a wider array of hardware that it's got to run that'd be interesting to see i think absolutely and it's the kind of chance for them to talk about the the mature android 11 features they've they've built in already and that they've been working on and, and, and tweaking over the last few months um 
and Oxygen's in an interesting space because I, I mentioned in passing that they're getting, you know, that the relationship between OnePlus and Oppo has been getting closer. They officially share R&D resource now. Uh, there has been a lot of speculation that Oxygen might be absorbed by ColorOS. That has already happened in China, um, where they used to use Hydrogen OS, but instead they now just ship OnePlus phones in China with Oppo's ColorOS on top. Um, I know Max Weinbach, I think, spotted, he, he threw the Android 12 update onto his OnePlus and spotted that the Android 12 stuff on the OnePlus looked very close to ColorOS, um, which is probably just because it's work in progress and they're figuring out how the beta applies, but it kind of tells you, well, maybe it's Oppo doing their Android 12 beta R&D and then OnePlus, True. you know, throwing their skin on afterwards. Um, so there is an interesting space where I do wonder if we're, this is going to be the year, this and next year, where we really start to see they may want to talk about oxygen more, but people may start noticing more and more similarities between oxygen and color, uh, which, which would are, make me really sad. Yeah, it'd be a shame, right? That's kind of like fundamentally the main appeal for me was for the for the N series Nord devices was mm. getting oxygen on a cheaper phone. Absolutely. Um, I think I reviewed the N10. I didn't review the M100, but the the main issue I had with that was performance over anything else. The user experience was definitely it was elevating an otherwise kind of flawed device so to move away from that and become more in line with color os which itself has improved admittedly uh, yeah. in recent iterations would be a shame because i don't think color os is still comparable to oxygen os in terms of ease of use um clean ui and just i don't know the way it feels is just inherently different no totally there's just um a minimalism to oxygen that I like and a simplicity and just it feels user-friendly it feels like it, everything is where I expect it to be when I'm yeah. navigating oxygen and that's always what I struggle with with color and I've claimed it was with me UI before Xiaomi's skin and a few others where it just at least coming from my you know anglo-centric western perspective I dive around these like OS's and I'm like the things are not in the menus I think they're going to be you know, the always on display just isn't in the area I expect it to be. Um, and to be fair, that does happen sometimes with OnePlus devices, and they had some weird little quirks every now and then. But for the most part, stuff is where I think it will be. Stuff runs smoothly. Um, and though they are often oddly late to specific features, it's usually because they want to do them well. Um, you know, they took forever to throw an always on display on, and I did moan about that for several phone reviews in a row. Um, but when they finally did it, it was like, cool, these are now at least some of maybe the best always on display options yeah. in any Android OS. Uh, and they just, you know, they took their time doing it. But once they finally got there, they did something that felt very OnePlus, felt very interesting uh, and worked super well and just kind of blows the other options out of the water for my money. So that's the kind of stuff I would Agreed. feel very sad to see just kind of fade away. And if we just get essentially color OS with uh, the OnePlus font on. <laughs> would be a little disappointing a little bit yeah anyway we will find out more come june 10th uh we will of course talk about the nord ce 5g once we've got it in our hands and once we get closer to the launch so stay tuned we'll be back on that in a couple of weeks time in the meantime uh still on oppo i guess uh the reno 6 series launched this afternoon in china so we have those to talk about. There are three Reno 6 phones, a Reno 6, a Reno 6 Pro, and a Reno 6 Pro Plus. Uh, they've got a few things in common. They're all AMOLED displays, they're all 90 hertz, they're all 65 watt charging, and they all have fairly similar aesthetic. Um, where they then start to pull apart, basically, for the most part, is in the chipsets they, that they use and the camera specs that they have. Um, the thing I guess I want to get out of the way at the top of the segment is... These are kind of mid-range to upper mid-range phones that Oppo puts out. And while we used to see the Reno series launch worldwide, I don't think that's going to happen this time. The Reno 5s never made it worldwide. Exactly. They launched in China and some other Asian markets. So it's not China exclusive, but uh, Asia exclusive. Uh, and then what we saw was that when the Oppo Find X3 series got its global release, we just had a couple of Reno phones thrown out with Find X3 names. Um, as the, I think it was the Find X3 Neo and the Find X3 Lite were both rebadged Reno 5 models. So in a funny sort of way, no, these Reno 6 phones won't launch in Europe if you're hoping that for them. 
On the other hand, yes, probably some of them will. They just won't be called Reno Sixes, and they're going to come in like <laughs> six months' time. The other thing I would say is that even though right now Apple is just calling them the Reno Six, Reno Six Pro, and Pro Plus. I would append 5G on there because they also inevitably release a 4G model for one market somewhere later on. Mm. And that, despite being also called the Reno 6, is a 4G version, which has usually different cameras, maybe even a different design, different chipset. Um, it's it, They're usually quite, uh, quite different from their 5G counterparts. This might be the year where they do actually iron that out. Um, 5G has become affordable enough, I think, for manufacturers. That they can get cheap chipsets with 5G now. So it's what we're always hoping, right? That this will be the year that everyone stops <laughs> the last like, two years. It's been finally gonna stop saying 5G on the name. Yeah. Yeah, if it's just a given. Maybe this is the fact that they haven't actively called it the 5G is is the sign that we won't get a 4G Reno 6 this year, which would be nice to not have to worry about and trying to kind of explain the differences um just in text form. Yeah. Uh, the phones aren't massively different from their predecessors. As you said, like between one another, the chipsets are different and the cameras are different. The chipsets are the main thing. I think there's some overlap on the cameras from the last ones, which were only mm. in China. They only launched in December last year. Um, was it that the, recent? I knew it wasn't. I felt like it was relatively recent. But that December is more 10th recent than I thought. in China was when the, right. I think the, the Pro and the Pro Plus 5, the Reno 5. Mm. And then the standard model came a little bit later, I think on 27th. Um, well, I might have mixed one of those two devices around. But yeah, it was all in December last year. Um, the main visual difference with this generation, whilst the Pro and Pro Plus look like their predecessors and look like one another, they're both kind of quite curvy forms, um, nice kind of rounded uh, edges to their displays. The Reno 6, the base Reno 6, looks much more like an iPhone 12, which in turn looks like an iPhone 4 because it has that kind of polished sharp side look which we haven't really seen from any of the reno devices before any oppo phones really in recent memory haven't really used this aesthetic um i guess it's easier to make in terms of fewer rounded edges and you can just have straight sides and a flat frame and a flat piece of glass um but yeah it's, it a, makes... it's a notable difference from the other members yeah. in, the, in the line it makes sense for them if if you're going to do a flat panel because you know there are curved curved screens on the Pro and the Pro Plus, but the base one is a flat panel. That's pretty standard to do for your your standard model. Um, and once you're going to do a flat panel, and Apple have gone ahead and put out a flat panel design that everyone made it okay nuts for, for the market, <laughs> and now it's acceptable to do one with boxy edges. It's like yeah. cool. Well, we will right. too. That's great. And everyone will say we copied Apple because you did. You did. They copied Apple. <laughs> But it looks nice. Um, and like you said, yeah, there's probably nice. some manufacturing simplicity to it. And I think, you know, it looks attractive. Um, it's it's also, you know, it's a 6.4 inch screen. So it's at the smaller end of the modern Android kind of screen size market, which means I think it should be comfortable to hold because that was the complaint with the bigger uh, iPhone 12 models was that kind of straight edged build together with a large screen and the wide iPhone format. Some people yeah. found them quite uncomfortable. Uh, this will be narrower because it's Android and it's a 6.4 inch screen. So it's not going to be absolutely enormous. So I think it should be okay from that comfort perspective, if that's what you're worried about. Yeah, the uh, the other models are both 6.55 inch. I think all of yeah. them are full HD, AMOLED 90 hertz, like you said. It would have been yeah. nice to think, considering I think we've had 90 hertz for at least two generations now on the Reno line to jump to 120, at least on the Pro Plus maybe. I think a phone um, that's called a Pro Plus, I mean, I know Pro Plus is a nonsense term, you know, it's not for pros in any meaningful sense, <laughs> but yeah, for a phone to be Pro Plus and still be in 90 hertz yeah. feels um, a little 2019. But the camera on the Pro Plus is promising because of mm. the other phone that Oppo already has it in, which is the yes. <laughs> the Find X3 Pro. It's the the IMX, is it 776 or 766? I forget. 766. So it's the, right. yeah, it's the 50 megapixel sensor that the Find X3 Pro uses for both its main and ultra wide lenses. Oh, yes, of course. Um, here it's just in the main lens. Uh, again, I told you that this is the Pro Plus, the top spec Reno 6. Um, so you're getting that same main camera as the Find X3 Pro, which is exceptional. Uh, one of my favorite uh, flagship cameras this year. That was bolstered by other stuff going on. Here, what's accompanying it is a little less exciting. It's a 16 megapixel wide and a 13 megapixel two times telephoto and a depth sensor. So the full set is not like the most compelling camera offer around, but for that kind of upper mid range, lower flagship space that it sits in, 
I think it's pretty decent. And the, at the end of the day, the main camera should be very, very, very good. And that, I think, will go a long way to make up for the ultra-wide and the telephoto being probably fine. Yeah. I, I also thought you were going to segue earlier when we were talking about MediaTek because the Pro Plus has a Snapdragon 870, but the other mm-hmm. two leverage MediaTek chips with a Dimensity 1200 Plus on the Pro. And I think this is the first phone I've encountered with a Dimensity 900, which is one of their newer chips on the yep, base on Reno the base. 6, mm. uh, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm all for more affordable 5G chips. And I think MediaTek's really pushing the Dimensity line well. So fingers crossed it's a decent phone. Yeah, I think they all look they all look solid. Solid, yeah. unexciting. You can kind of see why Oppo doesn't bother pushing these worldwide. Because they're not super, super exciting. I can't remember. The last time the Renos were exciting was when they were the true flagship line in Oppo's uh, ranking. And when that was where they threw in the 10 times zoom camera and the shark fin sliding up a bit and all that kind of stuff. And now that the Find X's are the the flagship flagships, the Renos feel more like they're just kind of playing second fiddle. Um, But they always feel more like they're built around design, which then explains why we've got this six with that iPhone-esque design language that I think will prove popular, whether it's a shameless copy or not, I think a lot of people will like it. Um, and they've all got that same kind of, uh, I think they call it Reno Glow. Yeah. Uh, was the the name for this <laughs> slightly frosted, sparkly finish they have going on, which I do quite like. I think they look nice. It's and... more when they try and give you a press kit and it's it's three pages about the texture and the finish of that <laughs> and then maybe like one page on the camera hardware or it's a display. Phone. It turns on. What else do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> but look at the finish. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the other thing that maybe people will uh, pull out a little bit with the Pro Plus is, as you already mentioned, Toddy, it's a Snapdragon 870. Yeah. So that is just the kind of updated version of, of last year's 865 <laughs> flagship. So it's not an 888. It's not the cutting edge chipset. But again, we, this is good enough for most people. For the space that sits in the marketplace, it makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, performance is still exceptional. The jump from an 870 to an 888 is fundamentally only noticeable if you're going, if you're worried about frame rates in in games basically for anyone else it's it's really not not a meaningful difference i don't think um and, and a few camera features it kind of unlocks for you but again given the camera spec they put on here that doesn't really make a difference um so yeah price wise these are kind of convert to around i think it's around 600 dollars 600 to 700 dollars for the the pro models yeah and if you more get like the top Pro Plus, it's 500 quid, 580 euros, or just over $700 for the top, yeah. you know, Pro with the most RAM and storage it, it can come with. Um, so, yeah, bear in mind, that's Chinese pricing. If it does come out anywhere else in the world, there will be a little price hike to it because there always is. Um, I would expect these to see to see this launch elsewhere in Asia. They're going on sale in China from June 11th, but I, have, I think it's reasonable. Oh, sorry, I'd tell you uh, just to say June 5th for the Pro models, the ah, Pro and the Pro you. Plus, yeah. and then June 11th for the base model. Kind of like Apple yeah. likes to do with the cheaper phone coming out a bit later. Spread them out a little bit so everyone reviews the nice one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're China from, China from early June. I think we'll see these in the Philippines and Malaysia. And sure. I think India gets the Renos as well, uh, though I'm not yes. positive. Um, but if you're in Europe, I would not hold your breath unless you want to you know, you might see the Reno 6 Pro turn up as the Find X4 Neo in eight months' time. Exactly. Uh, right. I think that's enough on Oppo, having kind of in a weird way done two segments on them. Uh, so let's <laughs> turn to something uh, slightly different, at least, uh, which is the ZTE Axon 30 Ultra, which Lewis has been testing out for the last week or so. Uh, this is Zeti's flagship for the year. It is kind of the follow-up to last year's Axon 20, which was the first phone with an under-display camera, except this doesn't have an under-display camera, and we're waiting for another phone in the Axon 30 line that will have an under-display camera, and this is not that phone. This is a much more conventional uh, Android flagship in a lot of ways. But, Lewis, you were actually really impressed with it anyway, right? Yeah, Um 
so yeah, like, like you said, I've, I've had this for a, a couple of weeks at this point now. Um, they were quite, I was, I was quite early with getting my hands on a sample, which is always nice because uh, that never really yeah. happens. Um, so yeah, I, I got it an early stage before I was even told, you know, half of the basic specs. I was just, they were just like, here's the phone, have a little go. You know, we'll bring you it, it out inside. Yeah, <laughs> you'll work it out. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, so. I mean, obviously, looking at it, you can tell this is a flagship phone in, in just about every way. Like, you got that full screen. It's, it's slightly slightly curved. Let's see if I can get this to show properly. So there's a slight kind of curvature to the... Oh, yeah. But oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, is it's, it just it's on the minimal. edges? Yeah. It's, or is it it's, top it, and bottom as well? No, there's no top and bottom. It's just the nice. edges there. But yeah, it's, it's a slight curvature. So you get that kind of curved look, but it's not so curved that you get all the missed presses and, and the palm, you know, the accidental taps with the palm and stuff Good. like that that I hate about curved displays. So uh, yeah, they, they won me over with that just before I even turned the damn thing on. Um, so it's a 6.67 inch AMOLED uh, Full HD Plus with a 144 hertz refresh rate, which is, you know, that's gaming phone territory. And then yeah. to, to uh, kind of back that up, there's a 300... Uh, hertz touch sampling rate as well so pretty responsive um i mean it looks absolutely great like the screen is just absolutely beautiful and the hole punch even though there is a hole punch and some people do hate that um obviously coming from the the uh the zenfone 8 flip that has a very cool kind of flipping mechanism so you got that full screen experience but this is you know as, as far as hole punches go it's fairly minor i think it measures in at about 2.6 millimeters wide so i think it makes sense and the, the trade-offs are worth it. Having tested the Axon 20 last year with the uh, the under-display camera, that tech is not quite ready yet, and it's not quite good enough yet, and there are too many camera quality trade-offs to really recommend it. And so I can see why this year, they're, they're promising a sort of second-gen version of that tech for the other Axon, the base Axon 30, but I can see why they felt like the Ultra phone shouldn't have the cutting-edge tech because... It just has enough compromises that a, a whole punch still makes much more sense. So we've got a standard, it's a 16 megapixel selfie camera there. It's fairly standard. You've got autofocus, HDR support, that kind of thing. Uh, all kind of things you'd expect at a flagship level. Um, but it's the back of the phone that is way more interesting in my opinion. So I love the little rainbow effect. So you can kind of see it there. Uh, yeah, yeah, It's got yeah. like a rainbowish <laughs> shimmer on the camera housing, which is just, I love that. Um, but if you look past the, the shimmer, there are three <laughs> 64 megapixel cameras on the back of this bad boy, along with Try a outdo Periscope Find lens. Pro. Yeah. So with yeah, the same. It's not so these. What, see, what this is where they. This is where they. Do? This is where they try and catch, uh, catch you out because they're all 64 megapixel, but they're not the same sensor. So let's just get uh, that out of the way straight yeah, away. Means so a they're lot. not identical. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah. So you have got the main wide. Uh. So 64 megapixel, obviously. Um, and that's Sony's uh, IMX667. I'm terrible with numbers, but the one that's in, in the uh, Zenfone 8 Flip and other flagships. So 686, yeah. according to your own review that I'm reading. <laughs> <off>. <laughs> one day I will nail these cameras. We've only wrote this today, <laughs> Lewis. Come on. <laughs> I do not like camera sensors. Anyway, so that's in the main one. Uh, you've got an aperture of uh, f1.6, so it's great in low light uh, photography. So you've got, you've got your standard low light and then you've also got a dedicated night mode. Uh, and there's OIS on that lens as well, so that even once the night mode is active, you know, you've got a really nice um, kind of finished image. It's, it's basically flash nice. stutter and, and all that fun stuff there. So to back that up, we have a 64 megapixel ultra wide, uh, 120 degrees. This is the Samsung ISOCELL GW3. I remember right, correctly. Okay. Probably not, let's be mm -hmm. honest. But that's what you wrote down in your review. That's, yes. I assume that's correct. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, so, so to know people, that's the GW3, not the GN3, N, which no. is the like top spec one, just yes. to be clear. Yes. Worth being clear about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't expect the exact same kind of level of quality uh, between them. There is a slight difference in in kind of overall look and feel. Uh, I'd say that's more noticeable with the ultra wide than any of the others. Um, you know, in well lit conditions, it's it's kind of what you'd expect from an ultra wide. In, in well lit conditions, the ultra wide does really well. You know, there's a lot of detail there, and I suppose that is also helped by the pixel binning tech, which I don't think a lot of ultra wides tend to get. No, uh, the ultra wide. You don't often have them with a high, high no, exactly, megapixel yeah. count, right? So, um, so that's definitely a play here. So, because so, yeah, in, in daylight, it's great. But obviously, as the light levels kind of start to decrease, that noise and that softness starts to come back. Um, and it's not great for the night mode either. I think it doesn't, it doesn't, they didn't specify what the aperture is for it, but it's not the best. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's EIS yeah. on the ultra wide as well. So it's a bit like oh, it's a bit messy a on the big, night mode. With such a high resolution, I figured they could, if they worked hard on the AI, they could have at least you know pixel binned it down and, and yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not terrible, usable. but like compared to right. the main lens, they that you, you know the main lens is always going to be the best, obviously with with the optical it, stabilization. It, It'll be the sensor limiting that, I guess. I'm, I'm trying to find out, and it's loading very slowly, uh, what size the ISO cell GW3 is, so I'm not right. sure. But, I mean, for night mode these days, it's, fundamentally, it's going to come down mostly to sensor size and what stabilization you're using. So if it's not OIS and it's a smaller sensor, that'll bring less light in, so it's going to struggle more. Um, How well have they done with... Because even if they're different sensors, how well have they done with the color science between them when you move between them? Because obviously that was like the undoing of the camera on the OnePlus 9 Pro. That is um, something I was quite impressed by. So across yeah. the ultra wide, the main and the two times portrait, which I'm going to come to in a minute, the, that's the third 64 megapixel in the, in the trio. Um, the color balance is basically the same. There are slight differences. The ultra wide is a little bit more vivid in some shots, um, but generally across the board, you get about the same. Um so let me just drop in that. Let me just talk about that That two times. So you've got a two times portrait lens. That's the third 64 mm -hmm. megapixel lens. That is also the, the ISO cell sensor. Um, right, okay. And yeah, so it's, it's designed for portrait photography. It's the same as what you get on the old iPhones where it's, uh, where it's two times, you know, it's designed for portrait mode. You get the blurred background, all that lovely stuff. It's what Vivo likes to do as well, a two times zoom that they call a portrait. They don't even call it a zoom lens, they call it a portrait right. lens. And then also throw in a telephoto. Yeah. There's, there's no mention of the zoom at all in any of the market material that is literally just a portrait lens with the equivalent to a 35 millimeter uh, yeah. range. Um, yeah, it's fine. I think what, what is quite good about it, <laughs> what is good is the aperture. So you've got an F. Be still my beating heart. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't really take many portrait photos. So I'm kind of like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But whatever. It's, it's all for the main, all the main one for me. But what is cool about the, the portrait one is it's got an, uh, an aperture of F1.9. So obviously not quite as good as the main and it's EIS instead of OIS. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but it means that you can get some fun portraits with kind of light trails in the background and stuff like that. Uh, I think I was looking at your review and I think I saw one one photo that was a low light two time zoom shot that was very impressive. Uh, if it's if, if I'm getting my lens right and it was yeah. one of the moon. I try, but, I'm trying um, to I'm trying to get them all in order so yeah. you kind of make some sense of the zooms. Um, but yeah, the two times is really good, I think. Very impressive. Yeah. Um, and that kind of extends a little bit to the telephoto um, sort of telescope, whatever you want to call it, the periscope lens. I don't know. The, the the zoomy the zoomy boy, the zoomy <laughs> boy. <laughs> so That's so it's not technical expertise you can expect from us. <laughs> so it's tell uh, us about the zoomy boy, Lewis. <laughs> get ready for the zoomy boy. It's uh, an eight megapixel, so not quite the sixty-four megapixel. The rest of them, uh, obviously, it doesn't get that pixel binning tech that makes all the others look extra crispy. But mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. It's about as good as as most of the, the zoom lenses are of yeah. the optical. So it's got <laughs> it's got a five times optical. The five times optical is good. Like you get full detail there, and then you've got a ten times hybrid where the detail okay. is still fine, but it starts to fall off a little bit, and then it just goes into the full digital, and that's when uh, you really start to see the quality drop down. What it's got, so it's got a total of sixty times zoom, right. uh, and that that's sixty times. It's really annoying because when you're looking at it in the preview, the preview looks better than the actual captured image. It seems like there's some aggressive post-processing that makes all right looking uh, zooms look like horribly noisy and soft. I don't understand it. There's been a few times where it looks so much better in the preview than the captured image. So it makes so sense of that. Do you think they need to work on their algorithm? Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it sounds like a software problem, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good though because that's fixable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, that one has OIS instead of EIS, um, oh, cool. which is probably that's... important for for a zoom lens. Um, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and and like you said, if it dropping off after ten times is is after the hybrid cap, essentially, is kind of common for all of these. You know, I'm. I've been testing the Mi 11 Ultra, which is, you know, in, builds itself as 120 times zoom and, you know, one of the best zoom cameras you can get in a phone. And it's still like once you get past the bit that, that's hybrid and get into the proper digital, the quality just nosedives. Uh, you know, it's a very rapid transition. And of course it does, because there's just nothing you can do about that. It's, it's, it is what it is. Um, 
it is good for shots of the moon. Obviously, we've had the super moon and, and full moon over the last few days. And I've got some great pictures of the moon. And you actually see detail on the moon surface, which is pretty cool. Um, and there's actually also a super moon mode, which is definitely more artistic than real life. Uh, it uses, I think it's the two, time, uh, the two times portrait instead of the main. So it's the two times portrait is the wide shot. And then it uses the 60 times zoom to take a picture of the moon and then blow it up and superimpose Fill it. it in. Huh. Yeah in place of where the little tiny white dot would be. There's now this oh, artistic that's the, moon. That's the photo I was thinking of. I now understand why that photo looks like it does. It's very cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best example of it. Um, I just, you know, it's just what I could find in my area at short notice. I'm not really going to wander around uh, at 11 o'clock at night yeah. trying to take pictures of the moon. But... I mean, li living in London, you never see the moon anyway in any, like, meaningful, like... <laughs> behind the trees i was like no stop i need to get this picture before it disappears <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot of uh, kind of interesting video and and photo modes like that to kind of take advantage of there's like a color changing filter that you can apply to your photos and your videos which can change the color of your clothes why you want to do that i don't know but you can and there's a bunch of uh, video uh, filters kind of dedicated to vlogging um so you get like extreme close-up with like it's like a fake background blur that you can apply when you're doing kind of show and tell videos on on YouTube or whatever. So I think if you are interested in in you know photography and videography, like it's an amazing bit of kit. And I think the crucial factor is is that for me it, it's comparable to what I take on my iPhone 12 Pro. And I looked at the S21 Ultra's uh, gallery of images. Obviously, I haven't looked at it myself, so I can't quite do a direct comparison. But I'd say the quality is comparable between the, all three and the fact that it starts at 650 quid is just mind-blowing to me so this is what i was trying to say at the beginning is like i i saw this phone i saw the specs i saw the performance you know i use it for about a week and i was like this is definitely going to be around eight nine hundred pound mark with what's on offer mm -hmm. so yeah when i got that 650 pound email that that blew my mind so uh just to clarify it's 650 for the uh eight gigabyte and 128 gigabyte storage and then it goes up um to do you know what that is in dollars or other mm. non-silly English money? That's a very good question. And I did have it written down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's six four nine slash seven four nine dollars. So an extra hundred dollars right. for the base okay. model. Um and then there's a 12 gig slash two fifty six gig model, and that comes in at seven hundred and thirty-nine dollars or eight hundred and forty-nine dollars. That is competitive pricing. Um, I'm impressed because I mean, you know, I, I can't remember if you said all the specs or not at the beginning spiel, but it, it's a Snapdragon 888. Um, as you said, lots of RAM you're getting. You, I know you mentioned the 144 hertz refresh rate display, which outspecs most of the comparable flagships. That's, you know, a gaming phone spec, but in a phone that looks a lot nicer than most of the gaming phones and has a much better camera. 188 grams. So it's not even a fat phone like it is a small yeah. phone like you're there is no compromise in terms of design and you, you, there are you don't get wireless charging there's no micro sd card slot that's mm -hmm. the only two kind of massive emissions that you're not really getting with this phone i'm guessing we're talking eight mil excluding the camera bump right i imagine so like, I, yeah, I need to get my ruler out and always sure, but it's definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's like whatever Xiaomi clothes for the Mi 11 Ultra thickness is like, you did not measure at the bump. Uh, uh, the, the thing I want to ask, because I think a lot of people will be thinking this, because ZTE is a brand people may be aware of as one of the Chinese manufacturers, but it's not a super common brand, certainly in the West, and like most people probably never even seen one of these phones in person. Um, so the big differential there is software. Uh, I know it's running Android 11, but what skin are you getting and is it okay so it's running my os 11 which is probably one of the most more boring names um I my know. os not my iOS. os it's my <laughs> os yeah <laughs> um i mean overall it's i i would i'd say it's fairly stock like there's there's very mm -hmm. little in terms of bloatware when you first get the phone i think you've got a wps open office installed and couple of the little like, i think facebook might come installed or something like that but like mm. there isn't any uninstallable apps that come pre-installed that you can't get rid of it's it's pretty clean in that respect uh one of the issues is the settings menu like dom like you were saying some stuff is just not where you'd expect it to be um and so there are some settings that there just aren't settings like i'd expect with 65 watt charging that there'd be some way to manage the charge speed or something like that like asus does with its battery protection tech 
Mm -hmm. uh, you don't get that. And there are a few kind of visual cues that this isn't stock Android. Like you've got, well, it's just an ugly looking notification shade, in my opinion. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very chunky and blocky and it's just, right, yeah. compared to the stock Android, you know, it's, it kind of looks a bit Huawei-esque. I just, yeah. Oh, yes. Amazing. Okay. I see what you mean. Um, and yeah, it's obvious, like you've got kind of the widget, the, the weather widget is kind of blocked out. So it's, it's small kind of visual things that, that make you cotton onto the fact that it's not stock Android, but I wouldn't say that it's different enough that it would put me off from using it every day. And I, I think that's the global ROM you've been using, right? That's the global version of the phone that you would buy if you get it. I, I suspect it looks a bit different in China, but I can't say for sure. But yeah, that sounds like that is what you would expect if you do actually go and buy one of these from ZTE. Um, I'm guessing you can only buy it pretty much direct from ZTE, um, given their state, so I wouldn't really expect to see this uh, pop up in any actual stores elsewhere, other than maybe appearing on Amazon eventually. But yeah, head straight to ZTE. But you're not probably you're probably not going to get it from any network supply, uh, network carriers or anything like that anytime soon. Um, it's up for pre-order now, with shipping starting next week, and anyone that pre-orders it before then gets a free pair of earbuds just to sweeten the deal. Why not? Nice. You always do. Is it even possible to buy a phone without getting a free pair of earbuds anymore? <laughs> just take them. Know. We've got too many of them. We made too many. <laughs> <laughs> the the price performance balance they're going for here. Is it fair to say they're going up against OnePlus more than, say, Samsung with a device like this? Is that a fair kind of read on this device? I mean, for me, the design and and most things kind of puts pits it more towards Samsung than One uh, than OnePlus yeah. in my mind. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more. Yeah, I think cool. it's the design, the kind of the overall look, the curved display, and then that camera set up on the rear mm -hmm. kind of puts it in in ultra territory in more in my mind. Cool in the pro. I mean, it definitely feels like it's going for that in a way what OnePlus used to be, where it is hitting top-end flagship features, cutting some luxuries like the wireless charging and using that to really undercut people and, and even kind of undercut OnePlus, uh, you know, as it is now. Is ZTE the new OnePlus <laughs> in the Western markets? <laughs> I mean, if this is anything uh, to go by, I'm, I'm quietly optimistic to see what yeah. they've got what they're going to come up with over the next year or so mm. i mean it, obviously only lewis has tested this i i have to say i i was very pleasantly surprised by the axon 20 last year other than the under display which was the cell you know and that was like well this is fine it works the quality's kind of poor um but it's cool but actually the rest of the phone i was like wow there's great specs great performance really good build quality software was fine not exciting but fine um yeah, so I'm not surprised that this has also kind of been another phone that's flown under the radar a bit and then turned out to be actually quietly really, really excellent. Um, I just hope they can kind of then A, carry that on and, and B, break through people's uh, brand perception in the West, I guess. Get, get the actual awareness of that. Um, because people will either have not heard of ZTE ever or just vaguely be aware of them as giant Chinese tech company that doesn't exist over here, you know? Um, but yeah, cool. Thank you, Lewis. That uh, actually looks like a pretty good option, um, kind of similar to what I was saying back at the top of the show about the Red Magic 6R, in that it delivers a lot of what you'd think of as gaming phone specs, um, but does it in a package that doesn't look or feel like a gaming phone uh, and remains very, very affordable despite everything that it's offering. So worth a look. And in fact, that makes sense because they are the same company. Nubia is part of ZT. So there you go. Uh, that is us for this week. We will be back next week. I can say with some certainty we'll be talking all things Huawei and Harmony OS. Uh, whatever products Huawei is going to announce, whatever glimpses we see of the software, we'll be here next Thursday to run through it all and maybe some other stuff if it comes out in the meantime. Thanks everyone for listening and watching and goodbye for now. 